that time of the week. Hopefully that time of the week that makes you smile because we're talking about anything and everything Cubs. It's your Cubs weekly podcast brought to you by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Elisa Meniger here filling in for Cole Wright. Andy Martinez along for the ride. And Andy, man, it feels like the Cubs played like a year ago. Everything feels that way, right? During the pandemic. But in fact, it was just last Thursday. Now, of course, before that, the Cubs were on a six-game win streak, and then they dropped a game to the Royals. And then after that, well, it's just been the waiting game. Their series against the Cardinals uh, has been postponed. And now Monday, we just kind of wait for that other game to happen against, well, the Indians, because they move on to playing the Indians at their place. Uh, But Monday, we did hear from David Ross and Jed Hoyer. And a lot still going on, Andy, not just when we talk baseball, uh, but even as we talk about the pandemic and specifically in Chicago, the unrest that happened overnight Sunday into Monday. Again, it is just part of the conversation of this 2020 season and everything the players are having to deal with. What was your impression of just everything that's happened and exactly what is going on with this team and how they're dealing with it? Yeah. Hey, Elise, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's really sad and, and, and unfortunate what has been going on. And David Ross and Jed Hoyer aren't robots. They were they, they know the situation. They, they, they're well aware of it. And and like you said, it's it's another thing that that is going on in in their lives and in their worlds. Um, when you know it'd be simple to just try and play baseball. There's so much else going on. Uh, Rossi and, and and Jed Hoyer had great quotes on on kind of what's been what's been going on. And Rossi had great a great soundbite about talking about uh, you know how much we have to love one another and we have to get back to that. And and Jed mentioned how resilient uh, the the city is and and they always the city always comes back after some sort of tension and, and the, just the resiliency of the city. What did you think, Elise, of, of, uh, of what Jed and, and, and Rossi said on Monday? Yeah, I'm with you. I thought those were some of those memorable um, things that they said Monday and talking about this team, because I think as you live in this city, you know, I was born and raised just outside of Chicago. This stuff really sticks with you. And as we continue uh, to deal with everything going on during the pandemic, social unrest and how it's hitting very close to home in Chicago, um, you kind of referenced what they had to say. And I think it'll be great. Let's hear exactly what David Ross and Jed Hoyer had to say. I just feel like there's, there's, you know, every day there's something new, and and I just hope we can, as a, you know, our world just get back to, to being better. I don't know in so many ways, you know, health, society, uh, emotionally, you know, try to get back to, to loving one another and doing doing the best we can uh, as human beings. I, I know tough things are things are hard all over the the world right now in different areas and you know we talk about COVID in this environment how challenging that challenging that is I think that's we're, we're very blessed and being able to come to work and some people are, are you know without jobs and and you know different problems at home and and um yeah so I just I just you know try to pray about those things I think the city is incredibly strong and certainly go back over the, the history of the city. There's been um, times of, of great tension, I guess to say, and, and, and the city's always gotten through it. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a, a sadness to it for sure. You know, I, I, I just want the city to be as healthy and strong as possible. And um, like I was saying before, I do feel like there's so many tensions on, you know, on the city right now, on, on members of the city, and I, and I know that you know that at times that's going to um, those tensions are going to bubble up to the surface. But you know, I hope as a as a community, 
you know, as, you know, as hopefully we get past this, we can, we do our best to ease those tensions. And I mean, this is an incredible place to live. You know, it's such a vibrant city. Um, uh, I, uh, I've, I've loved living here. I love raising my family here. And, and, um, and this isn't going to stop my feelings that way, but certainly, you know, as a group, we have to, we have to you know, stop this violence. People have to feel comfortable being in, in the city. They have to feel comfortable raising their families here. And uh, I would hate to see anything would, that would happen that would, that would stop that, you know, but uh, no, this is, this is a wonderful place to live. And we just have, you know, we have some systemic issues we have to address and we, and we have um, a, a summer and a, um, and a, you know, a set of circumstances that have really created um, tremendous tension, but the city has been through things like this in the past and it, it's come out really strong on the other, on the other side of it. So I think, yeah, David Ross and Jed Hoyer summed it up perfectly. Just we we need love and we need to spread that happiness. We need to keep persevering and moving forward. And speaking of movie, moving forward, Andy, it's not to necessarily put this in the background because if anything, this is most important um, and on everyone's minds these days. But it's also kind of why there's a baseball season because even Hoyer talked about how um, if baseball can be that distraction, sometimes that's what sports are there for. And so as uh, the season keeps moving, forward even as games get postponed and the Cubs have been affected by that uh, let's actually look backwards for a second in how they dealt with that because actually it's been relatively smooth for the Cubs considering everything they have to deal with quite frankly just on a daily basis and even minute by minute yeah and it's it's interesting uh, going back to that St. Louis series um, what you once you start seeing the, the reports trickle out that uh, on Friday that hey there might not be a game that you know there might be another positive test you're, at least I don't I don't know about you at least but at least my initial reaction was, are the Cubs okay? Yeah. Because the, you know you know how it is in baseball. Those guys like to get there earlier. Like they like to get there if it's a seven o'clock game. Some of those guys are there at noon at one, and the reports start trickling out around eleven or so. And you're like, is there anyone there that they might have been cross mingling with Cardinal players? Um, were they on the field playing catch? Whatever whatever it is, uh, the, the worry starts there. You know, could it have spread? Uh, and, and that was at least my initial reaction. Uh, and from the sounds of it, talking with, with Rossi and with Ian Happ, who spoke on Sunday, uh, that everything seemed to have been handled as professionally and as, and as safely as possible, which was very important. And, and you hope that the, the Cardinals players are all okay and that they can get healthy and that, that the players have no more positive tests because they're going to have a long stretch of games. But there was, there was just uh, a sense of relief in, from the Cubs side that, hey, Everything's all right. Uh, what, did, what did you think of, of the whole situation over the weekend? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you know, if anything, the team talks about, just like you said, that everyone's healthy and safe when this happens. So the Cardinals players, you hope the best for them and that they get healthy. And then I think like you, you think about even just um, the Cubs heading to St. Louis. Uh, and I always kind of take on the attitude that the team seems to be taking on, that they have always felt that through this, that if they're heading there, that it's safe and it's okay. And they kind of put that trust in the league and in each other, um, that if they're doing something at that time, based on everything they've gone through, it's the right thing to do. I think I probably had a little more, like some more questions, their first road series against the Reds, uh, especially when they had that rain delay. Right. And then I think this time around, once they went through that, and you're thinking, just kind of like I said, you're like, okay, well, if they're going, they feel comfortable enough. Because um, Ian Happ even said that um, there technically can be players say, and if they play or not, that did not need to happen this time around. And Ian can speak to that because um, he is the Players Association rep. 
Um, so uh, hearing from him is always interesting because we're hearing, you know, firsthand just what they're talking about among the players in that group. Um, but knowing that then they were okay going to St. Louis and then everything we heard as to how they handled it, they heard very early Friday, the minute they heard that game was postponed, then they heard the series was postponed. And this Cubs organization seems to be very on top of and organized when it comes to, okay, what are the next steps? We need to get a plane. Uh, we need to make sure the players have food, all these things that you don't think about that when you're on the road, that the Cubs are handling and everyone is so vital this year into having everything go smoothly. And I think the players have been so happy. And I think the organization has been so happy with how they've handled everything. Cause also to your point that you mentioned, the Cubs still have no positive tests. And so you want, you want to keep that going. You know, you don't want another Marlins. You don't want another Cardinals and you certainly don't want it to be with the team that you cover. So um, it seemed to, yeah, I think it all could go as well as it could have considering the situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree too. And it's, it's really, um, crucial because there's 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 so much unknown with the, with this virus and and to see that everything was handled in a safe manner and the, the guys were able to get back uh, and get back into Chicago safely and and enjoy a little weekend off um, after the the stretch that they were on where they played uh, 16 games or excuse me they played uh, I believe it was 13 and 14 days something like that um, a crazy amount of games yeah and it would have been uh, 14 in a row had they had they not had that Reds game rained out. But uh, it, it was good for them to get back and, and kind of recharge their batteries. And, um, what uh, the, my next concern after you know after you find out everything's all right, then the, you worry because they're on such a great start uh, and, and, and and playing so well. You, when you're playing well, you don't want to day off, right? Like you want to keep playing, you want to keep winning, and you want to keep hitting the ball, and you want to keep pitching well, and you want to keep doing everything well that you're doing. Uh, but then it, you start worrying, like four days off. Um, does your does the does the intensity drop a little bit? Does the does that sharpness drop a little bit? Um, does the does the the, the streak uh, wear off a little bit? Does the hotness cool down a little bit? Um, say say whatever you like whatever whatever uh, whatever you want to say. Like you worry about that dropping, um, but it, it it seems like David Ross was prepared for that, and it, he was he had he worked he gave him the day off on on Friday, then they were right back in it on Sunday and Monday. And they were working out and had had competition, had an inter squad game on Sunday. Uh, he knows how much a day off is important, but at the same time, getting your work in is still just as important. So you know, give him that one day off and then get right back into it. Have a sim- simulated inter squad game and and get into it. Uh, that was that was important, and I think that that kind of that 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 kind of uh, time off and and that kind of play or kind of practice helps them. I don't know what you thought, Elise, but it was it was. They seemed a little bit more uh, refreshed on Monday in their in their practice interviews. So it's funny because I actually kind of feel the opposite of you in this case. Really? Yeah. So I feel like that they're coming off a, a bad loss against the Royals. And I actually thought when they were on that win streak and then it snapped by that game, and, and that's a game a lot of times you could almost just say, like, you could throw out as a player and be like, okay, that wasn't our best game. We didn't do our best and we're going to move on from that. We know that we can play better. Um, but I actually feel like with everything going on, if you can really erase it from your memory and have all this distance from it and just kind of reset, uh, just like David Ross said, when he said as a player, you always welcome a day off. I think that's kind of how these guys feel at this time that it's, it's not ideal. You want to play. Obviously I think, like you said, there is definitely something when you're rolling, you want to keep going. But I also think that with the way this season is working, that anytime you actually can have a break like this, 
it can be so advantageous. And I think the way David Ross has gone about it, it has, it has been that way. Just like you said, from the day off, a simulated game Sunday, um, Saturday was kind of like light work. Um, and optional uh, for some players. I think positional players, if I recall, right, if I have the schedule right, it was optional. Right. And then Monday, it was like a fun day. It was just like, you know, uh, like competitions, like target practice and groups, right. like, you know, playing each other and things. And um, I, I just feel like that actually is is perfect. And like I said, while they were winning, they lost a game right there before this. And now they it's almost like a fresh start. Like I think Ross said, you hit that refresh button. So I actually wasn't I wasn't worried about this break. I was like, oh, I think this is great. Yeah, and it's 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 probably the last long break you're going to have. I know there's a few more days off in the season, but um, they've played 13 games this season, and if I I, I don't know the exact math, but um, the remaining games, I, th- I think it'll be what is that 47 in like 40 48 days or something. It's like it's going to be a tight squeeze to get them all in and, and you got to welcome a break like this. Uh, it's kind of like the all-star break. You recharge the batteries and you get going. Uh, it's different when you've only played 13 games, right? Like it's the all-star game is usually after a hundred or so. Uh, but this, in this situation, it feels like a hundred though already. Yeah. Does, you know, and, and that four game stretch felt like a whole off season with the way things were going. You mentioned it off the top, like uh, this four day stretch has felt like a year. It really has like this whole weekend. I'm sitting there. I'm like, it's only been one day. Yeah, you like forget. Like, yeah. like, what did they do last week? Who did they play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think you're right that that Royals lost. It was the most recent game, but at the same time, it may as well have been in in like 20, 2012, right? That's totally. how long ago it felt. And um, then now it's just getting back and rolling, getting back in the the movement. And against Cleveland, that'll be that's going to be interesting, and and it's going to be a fun series, I think. Yeah, I think actually, uh, again, they talked about it Monday when I say them, like Ross specifically. Uh, Even Hoyer mentioned how this is a good Indians team and they have a tough stretch coming up. That's also why I think this break kind of came at a perfect time. Of course, I want to address not ideal situation to have this break. Um, You want every team to be healthy and you want to be playing all these games, regardless how many days we're talking. But since they got the break and that's, you know, why we're here, uh, when you have the Indians coming up, the Brewers, and then you're still scheduled to play the Cardinals, Cardinals the following week uh, I think anytime you can kind of reset before a tough week like that because honestly you're looking at facing one of the best pitching staffs in the league right now Uh, Brewers are the Brewers they're always going to play them tough Uh, and then like I said I mean the Cardinals with what their situation could be I mean if you just for if you take it at who they are the Cardinals and that that would be um, a tough series so yeah I think that um, it's kind of I've kind of felt the way the Cubs are playing and they talk about this energy and the way things are working. It just feels like a very, I don't know, special season already, unique, different. And almost like this break when it came and I was like, things seem to be lining up for this team a lot of the time in the way things are happening and the way they're going. The way this team has handled everything is so impressive. They make it look easy, you know, and you do forget everything going on when you watch them because they're having so much fun and they love being out there and they're fun to watch because they have been playing so well. Yeah, they they've been playing so so well, and they they've been they've been doing it all right. Their starting pitching has been fantastic. They're they they've been hitting. They've been getting timely hits. They've been creating offense. They're not as relying on the long ball. They still hit the long ball, obviously. Um, they have 19 home runs this season, but they they are they they can do it all right. They can they can move play runners across. They can they can get guys on base. It's it's fun to watch this team and and how they're playing. And th- this Cleveland team is is for sure a test. That I was looking up some of the stats. And as, as a starting rotation, they lead baseball in whip 
uh, with I looked this up too. Mix. It's crazy. Yeah, go it's, ahead. It's, their numbers are insane. Strikeouts, 132 by the starting rotation. And innings pitched, uh, 108. And if I remember correctly, I think the Cubs, or someone was second, and I think they only had like 82 or 78 in that range of innings pitched. So they have a whole 20 extra innings from their starting rotation. Um, and they're tied for the most pitching wins with the Cubs at nine. This this staff is deep. Um, and you think about it, they trade Corey Kluber in the offseason. You're like, oh, that rotation is going to go down a little bit. Corey Kluber's gone. And it's like, actually, they, they might have gotten better, which is crazy to crazy to think when you trade someone like Corey Kluber, who's won a couple of Cy Young Awards. Uh, it's crazy to think that they've gotten that much better. Uh, and they they when it comes to starting rotation, Cleveland doesn't seem to rebuild. They just seem to reload every, every, every year. And you're talking about a starting rotation that – of a couple of veterans and then the other guys you're talking about just a couple of years max, like in the league. Yeah. Um, so yeah. just like a year under their belt. And now this is their second season. And also to your point, the stats, number one, ERA whip um, hits per nine allowed strikeouts per nine. So yeah, this it's going to be a fun series because with the way, just like you said, the way the Cubs are playing where they have those times where they can put it all together or, but, or they're just doing what they need to do when they need to do it. Right. At the end of the day, you just need to score more runs on the other team. And however that happens, it doesn't matter. You just have to, you just want to win the game. So that's why I I'm, I'm with you. This could be a really fun one. And maybe that's a good place to end this conversation. Um, yeah. because I, th- I think we could keep talking about this team. Just like it felt like a year since they played, we could probably talk about this team for a year, but we don't yeah, have a yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we didn't even get to that, that time they played in, in, in 2016. Some, well, a couple games happened in October. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. There yeah, was like yeah, some yeah. series that happened, some championship. It rained a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A rain delay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to your (laughs) point, I mean, we didn't even touch on, like you said, how they're going back uh, to where it all began, where it all ended. Yeah. Where do you, I like that, where it all happened. Uh, That's fun. And of course, there's some players you have, like Jason Kipnis, who'd be going back to a place, uh, even David Ross, where he played his last game. Um, So it will definitely be a pack series with not just baseball. Uh, but a lot of things happening that, that kind of correlate to Cleveland. Sure thing. Andy, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about, like we've said, but there's another conversation that we need to listen to because Tony Andraki and Lance Brozdowski, they caught up with the flame-throwing lefty in South Bend, Burl Caraway. Take a listen to what he had to say about how things are going there. Bro, what's your experience been like at South Bend at the alternate training site working out with the Cubs for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been really cool. Uh, things are pretty new for me, obviously. Uh, there was an intake process. So once I got here, I had to take a test, wait for the results to get back uh, while I was quarantining. So finally got out on the field, been been out practicing for about a week now, getting to know the guys. Um, feel fortunate to be up here uh, this close to the league. And uh, there's a lot of good players here uh, getting good work in. So our job is to support the, the pro team, support the Cubs, and that's what we're doing. Talk a little bit about your day-to-day. Like, what, what are you doing? What time are you getting up? You know, when are you hitting the field? How are the workouts staggered? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting that the practice time changes just a little bit every day. But typically, I, I need to get to the field at about 11.15 every day. Um, every other day, we have a COVID test. So uh, there's an, still an intake process, even just arriving to the field. But, yeah, I'll get up and, and eat breakfast. Can't eat 30 minutes before the test. So make sure I get that done a little bit earlier. And go to the field, um, get, get changed, and pitchers will all go out in one group and play catch at a set time. Uh, after that, you know, get our lift in if we have a lift, and then shag if the, if the hitters need it. Um, other than that, uh, for the most part, unless you're doing a live, a live hitter day, uh, anything like that, then it's, it's pretty chill. 
for you coming out of college after you were drafted, uh, obviously you have a lot of confidence in yourself, but was there any element of, of the call up to South Bend that was something of a surprise? And what was your emotion when you first got that call that you'd be heading there? Yeah, I would say it was still, still a pretty good surprise for me. Um, you know, Mr. Breslow uh, had been asking me to get some, some data for him, asking him, asking me to take videos of my next bullpen. So I was back at DBU, uh, working back on the mound, waited about a week uh, just so I could stretch out and get back into shape. And I uh, ended up jumping on the mound, got my track man data for him and got some video for him, sent it his way. And, you know, he shot me a brief text back like, hey, it looks good. Thanks for sending this. Um, didn't really hear from him after that until uh, the next morning. Um, you know, about 10 o'clock in the morning, he gave me a call and just said, hey, man, we're excited to tell you we're going to bring you up to the South Bend training facility. And yeah, I was I was pretty surprised and uh, you know, really happy to hear that good news. Um, you know, right here is pretty much where everybody in the minor league wants to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, DBU is a program that I know is pretty advanced in terms of the technology they have. And do you think that's helped you kind of jump head first into a variety of the data I'm sure you're experiencing in South Bend and even interacting with a guy like Breslow, who I believe was brought on recently and he's got a data mine and he's doing a lot of things that I think are pushing the Cubs forward. So talk about that translation and maybe how much DBU helped you acclimate to major league level data intake and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. DBU played a huge part in that. Um, for, for the most part, I would just say it's the feeling of, of feeling prepared, even being at this level. Um, you know, I took that next step from college to pro ball pretty quickly. I uh, found myself here in South Bend only, you know, a couple months later. And so really it's just the, the feeling that I'm prepared to be here. I can do the same type of stuff that the guys that have been in the system for years are doing. I can look at the Rapsodo data, the TrackMan data, and really be able to interpret that, but also be able to see, you know, if I'm making any mistakes that I might already know comes from looking at different data. So uh, I, I, I think the DBU is – very progressive and stuff like that and, and the Cubs are the same way and so uh, now that I'm with the Cubs it's it's more just like the next step but it's not something that I've never seen before so uh, yeah Dallas Baptist did a great job of preparing me for it and the Cubs are obviously have all the resources that you can need up here and so it's been a really good place for me to train. Who have you uh, been kind of picking their brain so far in South Bend because there's some guys there that obviously have quite a bit of big league experience and then there's some other guys uh, you know, they're still working through the system and the coaching staff and so on. Have you been talking to a lot of different guys and trying to soak up everything you can? Yeah, it's, it's a really cool part of the experience is getting to talk to the guys that are, you know, several years older than me or that have been around the game for a lot longer than I have. So, uh, you know, just to give you a couple of names, Coach Malone, uh, RV, he's our pitch, one of our pitching guys here, same with Coach Ogden, and they're doing a really good job, uh, you know, putting me through the system and letting me get uh, acclimated to the new spots here and looking at data and different drills with me. Um, as far as players goes, uh, hadn't gotten the chance to meet everybody quite yet, uh, at least thoroughly, um, even though it's not too big of a group of guys up here. But I got a, I got a roommate, Jack Patterson, that's, that's been pretty good to me, and he's a good guy to bounce ideas off of. He's a couple years older than me, so he's got some experience under his belt just being in the minor leagues, and, and that's been helpful. Uh, can you – comp your repertoire when you had DBU to how it's progressed now uh even I guess specifically as like far as what you did in quarantine and even this kind of off-season um stuff like that just you know has it changed have you manipulated anything recently like how are you developing as a pitcher yeah so through the quarantine kind of the biggest takeaway from the short season that I did have was um was pretty much my curveball command and so through the quarantine leading into the draft knowing hey if I get drafted as a relief pitcher, I might have a chance to start getting big league outs really quickly. 
uh, really the biggest thing was just being able to land that curveball for a strike anytime that I wanted to. And so uh, for several months, even before I knew that I was going to be a Cub, I was working on, you know, the placement with my curveball and eliminating, you know, some pop reps uh, that I would have with the curveball. And so focused really on getting, getting good extension with it and, and getting it out in front of me so that I would miss down if I'm going to miss with it. Uh, that's been the biggest thing, you know, in a few months, I think I made a lot of progress with it. I had a lot of help from my coach back at DBU and yeah, hopefully I'll be facing hitters here soon and get to put it to the test. You mentioned the potential for getting big league hitters out soon and uh, Cub scouting director, Dan Kantrovitz said the same thing right after you were drafted that he feels like he could put you out there the next day and you can get big league hitters out with your fastball velocity and then the breaking ball as well. When you hear something like that, or when you were thinking about that, as you mentioned, you know, in college, um, have you like wrapped your mind around the thought that, you know, you can be getting big league hitters out right away this, this soon after being drafted and, and um, still so, so young into your professional career? Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's something that I can wrap my head around really. Uh, it's more just, you know, that I'm really, I'm really confident in myself and my abilities on the mound. And so um, you know, whatever the Cubs think is my role to help the team, whether that's getting outs right now or just developing right now, that's the role that I'm going to play. Um, very confident that, you know, if they do call me up to Wrigley here pretty soon, that I'll be able to be able to help the pin a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to see how that plays out for the most part. It's just instead of letting myself fantasize about that, it's mostly just working day by day, uh, getting better. It's little things like being able to land the curveball like I was talking about earlier. But, yeah, it's it's for the most part really cool experience. I do think that I'm in South Bend for a reason. And, uh, hoping to prove myself here pretty soon. Tony mentioned velocity there, and uh, that's something that the Cubs seem to prioritize in the draft between you and Luke Little and a few others. And uh, I want to jump back to your DBU career. I've listened to a couple other podcasts I think you've done and maybe a story um, that your freshman year, you were sitting 89-ish, 92-ish. And then entering your sophomore year, you saw like almost a four or five mile per hour increase. And the interesting thing I found was that right prior to that winter break in 2018, heading into your sophomore year, I believe it was, you can correct me on dates here if I'm wrong, you were doing like pull downs, like max effort pull downs that were hitting like 102, and that wasn't translating to the mound. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of take us back to that period of time between freshman and sophomore year, what you did, you know, what you were eating to put on the weight to get to the velocity that you currently sit at. Like that seemed like it was a revolutionary point in your career. I know your stock ticked up a ton as a prospect after that. So Walk us through those kind of couple months and what happened. Yeah, absolutely. You, you nailed it. It was a big point in my development. And, you know, there were a lot of things that, that led up to that, that jump that I made sophomore year. But for the most part, I think, you know, I was really young freshman coming into college and, and I threw one third of an inning over the full season in two appearances uh, my freshman year. And so just kind of didn't really have a chance to get my feet under me. And, and I was, you know, 89, 92, which is still a pretty good arm for a freshman lefty. Uh, but just a lot of things I needed to shore up in my delivery and in my stuff and kind of went off to the Coastal Plains League for a couple months and really uh, developed myself as a pitcher. Um, my stuff was pretty much the same. I was still 89, 92 with a pretty good curveball then. Um, but just really developed my, my attack plan and, and as a pitcher developed. And so my time in the Coastal Plains League was huge for that. I brought that back in the fall uh, at DBU and was actually did not make the jump yet. So you were right. It was right around December um, that I was December going in uh, middle of my sophomore year and kind of went into my eggs meeting. It was just like, Hey coach, I've been doing these pull downs. I've been working on my long toss, doing a lot of arm training stuff and haven't really seen that translate to the mound. You know, if I can get triple digits, 102 on a shuffle and throw, I'd like to be, you know, mid nineties, high nineties on the mound. Um, 
and really just, you know, he, I told him that's what I was going to work on over the break. And I went home and, uh, you know, ate some home cooking and hit the weight room pretty good <laughs> and uh, put on a couple of pounds and came back just feeling stronger and more confident um, and, and got back to that long tossing and doing the pull downs and, and being pretty aggressive with my motion. And that's when, you know, everything really synced up for me. And that's when, you know, my first pitch on the mound, when I got back in January, I guess was 96, whereas I had never hit, you know, a legit three in my career before. So that's kind of how that jump came. You've mentioned confidence and the word confident a couple of times. How has your confidence developed throughout your college career and, and into now? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest parts of my game. I think, um, you know, thinking back to freshman year after having such a struggle, um, an ERA that was like in the hundreds. And like I said, a, a third of an inning and two appearances, it was, it was a struggle of a year for me. And so I think that the biggest thing for me was being able to go off that freshman year summer and come back to DBU in the, as a sophomore, really confident after having struggled for such a long time. And so I think that confidence played into boosting my stuff. And since then, it's just being able to look back on the work that I've put in and look back on my prior success to build my confidence up, even to the point where now, you know, I'm, I'm facing as good a hitters as you can now that I'm here in South Bend and Pro Bowl and pretty much, you know, just being able to look back on past success and, and take that confidence onto the mound so that, uh, you know, I really, I really do believe in myself. Were you surprised when you hopped back on the mound and started touching mid-90s, upper-90s back at DBU for the first time? <laughs> yeah, I would say it was a pretty good surprise. You know, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I felt really good. Uh, but it's definitely something different to look back and see 95, 96 on the board when you had never really done anything close to that at that point. Have the Cubs uh, had anything specific that they've wanted you to work on too over the, the couple of weeks here in South Bend and moving forward, or is it just kind of maintaining everything you've done to this point? Yeah, so I haven't gotten anything really specific with them. Uh, it's been a pretty brief stint here, only a couple of weeks now. And so I've just been just now gotten into my bullpen routine every four days and throwing a pin. Uh, I've thrown two so far. Um, and really those were just baseline stuff, figuring out where I'm at with my stuff. And I think here moving forward, I'll probably get a little bit more specific with stuff I'm working on. But right now it's just pounding the zone with my stuff and, and seeing, you know, what adjustments I can make to help me get better. Um, let's see. Uh, South Bend as a whole, are you guys like, what are you doing to pass the time? Man, I, I've been to South Bend a few times. It's a really nice area, but it's it, there's not too much to do there. And I have to imagine you guys are, are being relatively, uh, you know, conscious of where you're going to not expose uh, every your, your teammates. And stuff. How are you passing the time? Yeah, man, there's there's not a whole lot to do up here, uh, especially with the with the COVID restrictions. We want to be really safe so we can do our as best we can backing up the big league team just in case. But uh, pretty much just you know sitting around the apartment playing video games till it's time to go to the field. Uh, go to the, field and get our work in for a day and come right back and they send us home with meals so there are days that I don't really have to leave the apartment when I'm not at the field so it's it's it does get a little bit boring but uh you know I'm thrilled to be here so so the excitement of that you know makes makes up for it but there, there's not much that we can do outside of just going and practicing and then coming back to the apartment you mentioned too uh, you say your roommates with Jack Patterson right right now yes what's what's that been like uh you know as, as a fellow lefty and stuff have you What's the relationship been like uh, living with him during this kind of weird time too? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well. Um, very thankful that, you know, he took the the young guy in under his wing a little bit. Good to have a friend up here when I don't know anybody, but uh, it's been a good relationship. We don't 
talk a crazy amount about pitching, but you know, if I do, then it, it is nice that we're both lefties and, and we kind of understand where we're coming from. But he had a birthday a couple of days ago. We went and bought a cookie cake for the apartment and, and got <laughs> digging into that. So yeah, it's pretty good. It's like I said, it's nice having a friend up here. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, who would you compare yourself? This is the last one for me here. Uh, who would you compare yourself to, whether it be at the major league level, minor league level, or um, <clears throat> anything in terms of your style, your pitching? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I, and I guess whatever I say, it's going to come off as cocky, but I, I really love watching a guy like Chapman and, and a guy like Hader go in and pitch, just throw a shutdown inning, just throwing fuel and striking people out. That's kind of what I've modeled my game after. And so that's what I aspire to be. I guess I would, I would compare myself to them because I'm pretty confident of what I can do on the mound, but I uh, got, got a little bit to prove before I'm at that level. Have you guys spent a lot of time watching the the big league Cubs and the start that they've been out to too while you guys are down there in South Bend? Yeah, we've we've done a pretty good job watching the game, just more just keeping up with them. Uh, it's it's kind of funny we're we're all so close to that team, but uh, we do still feel kind of separate. And so it, it's funny coming back to the apartment, uh, you know, in our Cubs gear and stuff, and then watching the Cubs play. So it's a little bit of an interesting relationship there. But Cubs are off to a great start. We're nine and two, uh, so it's been fun watching them watching them go out there and compete. And like I said, we're, we're here to back them up and we're all hoping to be there here pretty soon. Sounds good. All right, Burrell, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, just thanks for insight on everything so far. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Yes. Tony and Lance, thanks so much. Always good stuff and good stuff from, from Burrell Caraway. You know, we could see him up uh, in the big leagues in no time with how this season is going. But until then, be sure to always keep it here every week, listening to your Cubs Weekly Podcast. That'll do it for this edition brought to you by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Stay safe, stay healthy. See you next time.